everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the You Thought Podcast. As always, no difference in the lineup today. The usual cohort, Lucas, Aiden, Jared Wyatt, and myself. Uh, and as usual, we will start with some news that we will not be talking about otherwise. Um, firstly, I wanted to talk about Derek Jeter, who sold his house and left Tom Brady homeless. <laughs> uh, to, to clarify, Tom Brady was renting this house, right? And so now he's going to have to be looking for another uh, Tampa Bay residence. Um, maybe that guy hard. that he like he walked into that guy's house like on accident. Maybe maybe oh, he'll yeah. give him a room. <laughs> <laughs> if he's lucky, yeah. <laughs> Airbnb always a possibility. Exactly. Yeah. Needs it. Imagine getting an Airbnb booked and it's Tom Brady. <laughs> um, Tom but... B from Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bomb trade. Uh, but uh, the housing situation was not all bad because apparently Damian Lillard saved a man's house. Well, Damian Lillard and the Blazers. The man tweeted, it's still unclear if it was a joke oh, or not, but he yeah. tweeted at one point, the Blazers don't reach 42 wins. He will lose his house. <laughs> but the Blazers reached exactly 42 wins. So that was a feel-good story if it's real. <laughs> we don't know. Or a cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let them lose. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, in NFL news, Travis Etienne, whom the Jaguars took uh, late in the first round, has apparently been taking all of his reps at receiver. I don't know if that's surprising to anybody else. It's kind of surprising to me. The Jags are going to win zero games this year. No, like, they're I, not. Yes, they are. are they no, <laughs> no, like, Urban Meyer does not know what he's doing in the pros. Like, <laughs> I'll say it say already. I'll, I mean, the man signed Tim Tebow to be his starting tight end. Uh, I'm... I'm not too mad about the Tim Tebow thing, well, but the, starting... the Travis Etienne, Etienne thing is pretty suspect. Lucas, yeah, Tim so Tebow's going to end up start. playing like outside linebacker, okay, or taking reps there. Like. <laughs> he can do it all. I, but I don't know. It just seems like every decision they make except for drafting Trevor Lawrence is like questionable at best. Yeah, it's been a little I don't know. I'm gonna... rocky. Hold your horses. He coached Percy Harvin at Florida, who was like also a gadget guy who did both run and catch, and it went very well. Maybe at the end of the season. That's college. Well, that's what people think is that they want. Well, you're uh, right. They want Harvin, UTN to be the the Percy Harvin gadget guy. That's what people expect. Yeah. So, plus it's rookie mini camp. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna freak out too much. But I do I I will agree with Lucas that I wish that there were more moves that were like solid football moves instead of something that may be trying to reinvent the wheel. Cause everything we hear about yeah. Jacksonville right now is that Tim Tebow and ETN. And then, yeah. you know, we'll see what else goes on throughout the rest of the summer. Yeah. Do you, do you think they're going to, they're going to have like some crazy like locker room pet or something like that? I feel like that. I feel like this <laughs> might be the team this year. <laughs> wow. Jared the question on everyone's mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Holy crap. I, I did not read the news we missed. Wow. Speaking of locker room pets, yeah. So I don't, this one I'm pretty Transition. sure is a joke, but I still feel like I need to mention it. Okay, actually, hold on, Jared. Did you actually want an answer to your question before I move on? Yeah, go ahead and answer it. I don't think they'll have a locker room pet. Are you talking about what a jaguar? Do you think? Do you, not do you a think, jaguar. They, I think they'll have a goldfish to like teach them responsibility or something so, like that. Or... Apparently, some coach—I can't remember what it was—some coach put like a tree stump or something in the middle of the 
of their locker room and like a player like <laughs> freaking chopped his to- like chopped his foot and was out he for the season. Foot. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what team it was. But. Anyway. Big, big brain. Anyway, the Lions coach, Dan Campbell, also had the similar thought, apparently, because he has apparently, still jokingly, I think, but still, asked the Lions owner about getting a pet lion. He was quoted as saying that he wanted to just walk around the facility with a pet lion. Uh, I just thought that was funny. It goes back to his biting kneecaps off thing, I think. Um, yeah, he's off to a weird start. <laughs> it's like once yeah, you like... His- once you get your persona, you just need to, like, run with it, I guess. <laughs> I feel like it's, like, chaotic good. Like, in the way that, like, the Jaguars are, like, chaotic evil or whatever it is. Like, the <laughs> the lines are chaotic good. I, I know what you're referencing. I don't know yeah, if that's the know. correct yeah, description yeah, for that. I don't now. either, but yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> in NBA news, the 2021 Hall of Fame class was recently introduced. Uh, Kobe, Tim Duncan, and Kevin Garnett... We're all in this class, which I think makes it possibly the best Hall of Fame fame class ever. Uh, But I was looking, and there's, like, a decent Jordan, David Robinson, and John Stockton were all in the same one as well, like, 15 years ago, which might be better. But anyway, that was was cool. And um, Vanessa Bryant's speech was also pretty excellent. I don't know if anybody watched. Um, And then lastly, in the MLB, the no-hitters continue. There were two this past week alone. One by the Tigers, Spencer Turnbull, and another the very next day by Corey Kluber of the Yankees. So, yeah, as Lucas was saying earlier, if you want to see a no-hitter this year, or if you want to see a no-hitter, this year is the year. Turn on a baseball game right now. I promise you there are no hits in the game from either team. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, all right. All right, now let's let's actually start off with some NFL talk. For those who may have missed it, the NFL released the 2021 schedule recently, um, and the first week looks like a pretty hype um, set of games. So let's just all go through and talk about which one we are most excited for. Aiden, let me start with you. Which week one matchup are you most hyped for? Um, I'm going for, obviously, uh, the Jets versus the Panthers. How could I not pick a game where the teams were combined 7-25 and 25 last year? It's, it's too intriguing to pass up. Uh, but no, honestly, I'm picking this. It's a homer pick because I'm a Jets fan. But it's also um, for the drama. We've got uh, Sammy D coming back week one to visit the Jets. Mm-hmm. I don't like it's so blatantly the NFL like <clears throat> trying to, to live for that drama. Uh, and we also get a first look at, obviously, Sammy D's replacement, Zach Wilson. Um, and both teams have done a bit to upgrade their offenses. So we'll see. The Panthers like notoriously passed on offense in the first round but um the next couple rounds they they got a bit more depth on their offense the jets went all in um with their first four picks i think going all offense and christian mccaffrey will be back so it'll be interesting for the panthers um i also think that both divisions will be potentially interesting um the afc east the bills are the favorites obviously um the dolphins and the pats we'll see i feel like it could be a kind of a mixed bag um, and the Jets were fairly competitive towards the end of last year, um, at least for a 2-14 and 14 team. So, you know, maybe they make some noise or at least make things a little bit interesting. Um, and the NFC South, um, the reigning champs of the NFC South are without, obviously, Drew Brees. Um, so it's a bit more open, even if, obviously, the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Um, but besides that, I think, you know, like a, a wild card spot or second place kind of could be up for grabs. So we'll see. Um, I'm mostly picking it, though, because of the headlines and, you know, to see 
Sam Darnold either go off and show the Jets what they're missing or see him collapse and his, you know, successor beat him. Um, so I think it's, there's some exciting storylines in that one. I agree. Yeah. Lucas, what do you got? I have the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this might be an easy pick because I think it's probably unequivocally the best matchup from like a pure football perspective Mm. during week one. Um, But I'm especially interested in it because I want to see the Browns. I want to see if they are true, legit Super Bowl contenders this year. And this game provides the perfect showcase for whether they are actually Super Bowl contenders, I feel like. I mean, obviously, you know, can grow and develop as the year goes on. But I think if they come out and beat the Chiefs, that's a pretty clear sign that they are contenders this year. Two things especially I'm excited to see in this game. First, uh, the Browns' defense's ability to try and slow down Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, they improved a lot this offseason. They signed Jadavion Clowney. They drafted Greg Newsome and the Woo. Um, if they can <laughs> even contain the Chiefs, I think I'll consider them contenders, given obviously how prolific their offense has been and will presumably be next year. And second, I want to see how Baker plays. Um, I think he's improved year after year, and but he's good, but not elite. And if he can come out, you know, big game against the Chiefs and just sort of sling it around, uh, I think that again shows that they're ready to make the next step towards being Super Bowl contenders. No matter what happens in that game, Colin Coward's going to be like, I was right about Baker. He's he, Whether he does good, whether he does really well, or whether he sucks, he'll be like, I've been saying this about Baker the entire time. You can tell mm-hmm. I listen to Colin Coward a lot, but yeah. the the contract like Rex Ryan and all these like Baker haters are going to be going off if the mm. if the Browns get blown out that game, which they got yeah. blown out last year week one. I'm I'm a little worried about them. I like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um, sound the panic alarms if they get blown out, but I'm I know like a bunch of the media would be like, oh Baker's contract extension or whatever. Mm. Yeah, yeah well, last year was a pandemic year. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. They improved their secondary though. The Browns. So it might be interesting to see what they do or how they do against a a high-pass offense like the Chiefs. All right, I'm up next. You probably knew what game I was going to pick. Cowboys, Bucks. Very first game of the season. Should come as no surprise. It's on Thursday Night Football, Jared. That's nobody nobody no, cares about Thursday Night Football. The biggest That's game of the night is not Thursday Night Football. That's... Did you, they, were you about to claim that the Thursday night game is the biggest game, Jared? No, no, no I know. But it's the first game of the season, right? Yeah, it's the first game of the season. I, I was like going to say... On a Thursday. The first game of the season should be on I was going to say, before I got interrupted, it's the biggest <laughs> team brand against the biggest individual brand in oh. Tom Brady. So I'm super I'm super excited, obviously, to see how Dak Prescott looks coming off his injury. I'll tell you how he I, looks. <laughs> Zeke also, like, I think really needs to have, like, a pretty, like, <clears throat> a bounce-back season. On the Bucks side, it's kind of like LeBron. Like everyone's just waiting to see the cracks in the armor for Tom Brady, and like, oh, I, I saw, I predicted like that this season would be the one. Like people are just gonna predict it every season, and then once, once he starts like, you know, start fading, everybody be like, oh, I was right. So I, uh, that'll be interesting to see. Again, I, I put a little Colin Coward thing down here. He's gonna spend his entire three-hour show talking about Dak and Tom Brady. I get, guarantee it on on the next Friday. The next day after, and then if if Tom Brady here, listen to this though. If Tom Brady doesn't do well, the calls for the Bucks to start Kyle Trask are going to start. Nah, <laughs> that's out in La La Land, but that'd be funny. Is this game going to be on Amazon? That's a good question. I I am not sure actually. 
Because that might be a bigger headline than, than no, anything No, no, I, I don't know said. if the... I think the uh, TV contract NBC. doesn't kick in until like 2023 or something. I don't oh, okay. Know. The new contract. But anyway. It's NBC. Yeah. <clears throat> You're right, it is it's 2023. NBC. Okay. Well, dang, I was hoping that it was going to be the first Amazon Prime game <laughs> on TV. <clears throat> Would have been a ratings hit, but sorry. Mm. Why? Who do you got? All right, so I'm going to be going with the Patriots and the Dolphins because this year I think we're going to be locked in on the Patriots all season. Uh, both teams are going to be looking to take a leap uh, with whether or not whether the Patriots are any good, and the Dolphins are going to look to make the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs. They're also both going to be sporting two former Alabama quarterbacks in Mac Jones and Tua, and let's hope, keep our fingers crossed, that Mac Jones somehow beats out Cam Newton to start the year and we can see them go head-to-head uh, -head against each other. Jalen Waddle did say that he likes a Mac Jones throwing football more than he likes a Tua throwing football. Did he say it, did he say <laughs> that, it like that? That phrase no. is so... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> okay. but, but I think it'll be very interesting to see what they do, and I want to see just both the Alabama quarterbacks go head-to-head. -head. I think the Patriots are far more interesting if Mac Jones starts the year. Whether that whether or rather than Cam Newton being the starting quarterback, because I just think Cam yeah. Newton's done, and if he plays average to below average, everyone's going to expect it and just kind of wait to see what the next leap in the Patriots uh, dynasty might be. Yeah, I am interested mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, a lot of young quarterbacks in the AFC East. Mm. <clears throat> They're all young. Yeah. All on rookie contracts. Yeah, Josh Allen's the old one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh Allen looks the youngest. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> completely irrelevant. This is Zach, Zach Wilson looks like he's 14. <laughs> that's true. Zach Wilson, yeah. Okay, no, wait, you're, you're right. You're, no, that's Zach a very Wilson good point. Younger. Yeah, like, yeah. Jared, no, he doesn't. What do you mean, no, he doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> Google pictures. He objectively has a baby face <laughs> right, right, by all the defined characters. When they showed his whole family at the draft, I couldn't tell you which one was Zach Wilson. Turns out oh none, of, none of them were. But he had his two younger brothers right there or whatever. That's because uh, you know, don't watch college football. That's because you don't watch college football. You know, I mean, I watch college football. I don't watch BYU. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what time is that on? 2 a.m.? 3 a.m.? You see them all the time. I'm not staying up for that. Funny yeah. enough, I didn't know what Calvin Johnson looked like until he retired because I, I'd always seen him with the face mask and the helmet on. Yeah. You just, yeah, you know, you just don't see players. players look like, yeah. yeah. Are they... They're shown with their their freaking helmet off all the time on the sidelines. I just thought he was the ball boy. I don't watch coaches. Them, that happens. <laughs> okay, this is gonna be ridiculous. Who's next? <laughs> I'm next. Thank you, Jared. Um, my choice is Rams versus Bears. It's mm. the Sunday nighter. It's gonna be an electric game, I think, because they're both probably gonna be playoff games. Or I'm sorry, playoff games, playoff teams. I think they're both gonna be good this season. Um, I think the main headline, of course, is will Justin Fields be starting? People would love to see him start. I'd love to see him playing. Uh, and the main reason for that is because of the Rams' defense. So that's another reason I think this game is going to be sick is because the Rams' defense last year was really, really good. In fact, like arguably the best. Bears' defense was not as great last year as they were two years ago, but they also have the potential to be like top fivers. So I think it could be really fun. And then, of course, Stafford is there now. I really want to see how Stafford looks. Everybody's saying that apparently in McVay's offense, he's just going to shine I have some selfish interest in this one because he's on one of my fantasy teams, on a, on a dynasty team, so I know I have him. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited to see him look good, hopefully. Yeah, but I think if it's, if it's Stafford versus Justin Fields, it will be a really fun game to watch, I think. So mm. that's yeah. my choice. Yeah. Um, now let's look past week one. Obviously, it's, it's a full season, full 18-week season this year. 
So, Jared, let me throw it to you. Taking a look at not just week one, but the whole schedule, are there any teams that stick out to you as maybe having an easier schedule or a harder schedule than most? Yeah, it's the four teams with a week 14 bye. The Eagles, Dolphins, Colts, and Patriots. I don't know if you guys know this, but the bye week actually determines the Super Bowl winner. So, Mm. rewind back to 2016. (laughs) The Super Bowl champion Patriots had their bye week week 10. The next year, the Eagles... Or uh, mm-hmm. what was it? Week nine, I believe. The next year, Eagles week ten. Next year, Patriots week eleven. Chiefs week twelve. Bucks last year week thirteen. Which you've seen the pattern. Whoever has the week fourteen bye is going to win. So it's one of those four teams uh, is going to be this year's Super Bowl champions. Actually, though, in honesty, the Eagles seriously did get such That's a break. Crazy. They have the easiest schedule and the latest bye week. I mean, and and lately, yeah, like I said, the Bucks last year had the latest bye week of any NFL team. So if you're actually trying to make a playoff run, it definitely helps. I don't think the Eagles are making a playoff run, really, but they definitely got helped a lot. I'm going to throw the Cowboys up there, too. Of their 17 games, they only play five games against playoff teams. Two of them are against Washington, who went 7-9, and right? And I still don't really have that much faith in Fitz. Like, I'm not a Fitz. I'm not on his bandwagon. And then the other one, another one of those fives against the Saints, who are probably going to take a step back. And then they got Bucks and Chiefs, which honestly are probably losses. But I really like so the Dallas Cowboys schedule. You're writing the Bucks and Chiefs as the only two losses for the Cowboys this year. No, automatic <laughs> losses. The rest are to- the rest are toss ups. You haven't played. We haven't played any They're games. Awesome. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I think of the of the five <laughs> easiest schedules in terms of like last year's win percentage. Three of them were NFC East teams, which is yeah. hilarious because the like anyone within their division is just awful. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I want to throw in the the Bucks and the Dolphins too. They uh, the Bucks have the 29th hardest schedule. Um, if we're doing like win percentage, and then the Dolphins have the 27th. I think, mm. like, I'm not gonna say like this is the year Tom Brady goes down, but like he and all those other guys are another year older since they're bringing back the same core. It might help them out a little bit. Have a slightly easier schedule thrown in there. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins too. I mean, we'll see what they do this year, but I think they have the potential to make a leap and. It might appear, like it might appear, like they make a leap because their schedule is so easy this year, and they might have a few more wins in there than they normally would otherwise. So, another schedule that I think is interesting. I'm not sure if they got hurt or helped by it. Is uh, Lucas's Cleveland Browns? They they are in the top ten, like on most difficult schedules in terms of win loss percentage uh, or win percentage from last year, but they do have the easiest schedule of all their division rivals. And they, they just have a bunch of, like, wild card teams on their schedule, meaning, like, I don't know what to expect from them. They have, like, the Chargers on their schedule. I don't really know what they're going to look like. The Broncos have no idea. Vikings, no idea what yeah. they're going to look like. Like, they oh, could be super good. good. Uh, I know. <laughs> I mean, they could be good, or they could be kind of stinkers like they were last year. Patriots, who knows? Bears, I think, are, are quite a toss-up as well. Uh, and they don't really play that many stinkers. Like, Lions and Bengal, Lions and Bengals they play which are probably going to be, like, guaranteed wins. Um, but, yeah, when I look at their schedule, I think there's only three games where I'd say, yeah, they're, they're probably going to lose that game. They got the Chiefs mm. week one, probably going to lose that game, to be honest. Ravens, they'll probably lose to at least once, if not twice. And then they got the Packers at the end of the season. But other than that, mm. I think a lot of their games are toss-ups. And I think we will see, like, how good Cleveland actually is by their schedule. Like, they didn't get, like, breaks, and they're not getting screwed, I guess. So I'm, yeah. I'm really curious to see yeah. what it looks like. 
You're right, though, that, like, all the AFC North teams have, like, pretty tough schedules. I mean, that's the nature that's of a competitive division. division right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Steelers, especially, the Steelers close their final four games against the Titans, Chiefs, Browns, and Ravens. Yeah, it's pretty tough. brutal if they're, yeah. So, especially given the way that the Steelers played at the end of last year, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty easy to be down on them coming into this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the Steelers listed as one of my tough, yeah. tough schedules as well. Well, they have um, the number one hardest schedule in the league, according to a lot of rankings. Yeah, The Steelers do? Yeah, and according, followed, according yeah, to last year's. Yeah. 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 And then last followed year's. by the Baltimore Ravens as well. So, yeah. like Jared said, they, yeah. they have one of the easier schedules, and the Bengals, uh, in their whole division. Yeah. But given the nature that they play each other, I think puts a part in yeah. that. But most of the teams play or build their team to beat other people within their division. So... It might just kind of wash out either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the NFL needs to do is introduce a 31-week schedule where you just play every team and eliminate the division <laughs> there by we it. Go. <laughs> um, exactly. One last one that I wanted to call out was the Seahawks, who I also think are going to look oh. tough, just looking at uh, last team's record, last year's <clears throat> team's records. Because first of all, the NFC West is potentially brutal. Like I could, I could see them losing all six division games just because the Niners, Cardinals, and Rams are all potentially going to be really good maybe the cardinals not as much and then they're playing seven playoff teams from last year so like that's at worst they could lose 13 games like by that metric i think that could be maybe this is the year that russell wilson actually wins mvp because he's just going to carry them through <laughs> yeah 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 that's wild yeah jared what's going to happen next year when like this is we're at week 14 by what happens <laughs> like do we start over at the first week or does the nfl just implode they introduce others, a week 15 you know? 16 yeah, exactly. and it's soon to be a week 17 exactly. by, <laughs> yeah who knows what's gonna happen at that point yeah they probably have to go back to week 10 or whatever yeah. it was <laughs> but that was interesting another uh, another bye week thing that's interesting is that the patriots they do have the latest bye but they are facing three t- three teams that are coming off of a bye week so they, they kind of, in a lot of ways, have a tough schedule because a lot of teams are going to have an extra week to prepare for, or not a lot, three are going to have extra time to prepare for them, and that's the most in the NFL, apparently. So That's interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears and move on to the NBA, specifically to Russell Westbrook, or as... <laughs> I like to call him Russell Bestbrook. Just kidding. I'm not actually that high on him, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Lucas, I'm going to be asking you this question. Um, so Russell Westbrook has averaged his fourth triple-double in the past five seasons, which is insane. You, you called on the, the wrong <laughs> boy. <laughs> I yeah, like that. I'm not second in time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. Right. I'm so no, sorry. you're fine. Okay. <clears throat> Aiden, I'm going to be asking you this question. <laughs> Uh, Russell Westbrook this year averages fourth triple double in the past five seasons, and he became the first player since Oscar Robertson, uh, not surprisingly, to average both 11 rebounds and 11 assists in the same season. So, obviously, it's debatable just how good of a point guard is Russell Westbrook. Aiden, let me ask you, where do you actually rank him among point guards all time? Yeah, it's. I feel like Russ is definitely normalized, like, just at this point, we're not stunned or, you know, amazed anymore about his triple-double stuff because it just, like, happens literally every year at this point. Um, but I think starting with, like, modern point guards, um, like, last 10 years, that's, that's a very recent definition of modern, but, I like, I think Steph is, like, 
the pretty clear number one, even if he's not like a traditional point guard, obviously he's no more for his shooting. Um, and then I think you'd have, I'd have Chris Paul second, um, who's like kind of just a classic point guard type. Um, and I associate Chris Paul more with winning than I do Russ, um, which is maybe unfair and it's maybe due to recency bias with the, you know, the Suns being so good this year. Um, yeah. But then I have Russ, then Dame, and then I think the field. Um, and then if you look at all time, like I think it, I'd have Magic. <clears throat> I think Steph is my number two. Um, mm-hmm. Then like Oscar Robertson, Stockton, potentially Chris Paul. I think Russ is probably just outside the top five, barely. The thing is that Russ has never been particularly efficient, even if he yeah. puts up huge numbers. Um, like he's a volume scorer um, and he's like, <clears throat> like obviously super good at what he does, but he's shot above 45% from the field twice, yeah. never above 35% from three. He's currently shooting 65% from the free throw line. Um, oh, wow. So I think that, I think he's generally been better than that. And that doesn't mean everything. Um, but it's just kind of like the numbers are definitely amazing. Um, he can kind of do it all, but he hasn't kind of left the mark on the game in terms of like championships and legacy that, you know, some of the other guys have. So yeah, I'd say he's like, I think that would be sixth. I'd have him all time. I feel like yeah. a lot of people don't put Oscar Robertson up there though. Mm-hmm. In terms That's of top five point guards. I feel like a lot of people don't really talk about him. Also, it's kind of magic. And then they like, yeah. whatever, take your yeah, second. Pick, yeah. Kind of. I read a funny article that was comparing Russ and Oscar, and it, like, showed highlights, and it was, like, there's a reason Oscar isn't rated as highly. It's because, like, if you watch his highlights, he literally is just, like, they're, like, average-looking NBA plays. But, like, for his era, he was yeah, really athletic, yeah. and he was, like, a much better, like, dribbler and mm-hmm. shooter than other players were. It's, it's, but, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I can understand why some people would not say he's as good as Russ, even though he, like, yeah, <clears throat> blazed the trail, if you will. Being in the NBA for people in that era was a part-time job, and then during the morning they would <laughs> they would go to the post office where they actually worked, and then they would go play <laughs> NBA games later. Oh goodness! I mean... <laughs> Night shift. Who am I to say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I had him at I had him at seven. I had all the guys that they listed, and then Isaiah Thomas above. Them. Yeah, that's I, oh. Isaiah at seven. So that's yeah, yeah. That's fair. Wait, Steve Nash ahead. Of- for either I have them at eighth, yeah, and that, okay. that's the end of my list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, St- Steve Nash and Stockton definitely should be above him if you're like talking about traditional point guarding. Yeah, like, Steve Nash path, should not like, be above control, Russell Westbrook. Passing. As a passer, Steve, Steve Nash can He's only dream to do passer. the things that Russell Westbrook can do. <laughs> As a passer. Court. I, Russell, As a floor ten, general, he averages more than ten assists a year. <laughs> all right, I mean, all right. Let's talk. Let's talk about volume for a second because I see where you're going. The reason Russ gets triple doubles is he abuses volume. Aiden mentioned the, the shooting percentage. He gets a lot of points, but he shoots bricks all the time. He gets a lot of assists, but you know who the leader all time for point guards is in turnovers per game? Russell Westbrook. You know who's notorious <laughs> for literally robbing <laughs> rebounds from his teammates? Like pushing them out no. of the way. Okay, first, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that last one's hard to measure. You don't rob rebounds. You don't get a reputation. How does the PR take into account? Yeah, stolen rebounds. I mean, that's going to be a saber metric. And it's going to ruin Regardless, rebounding has nothing to do with being a floor general, so that is a good point as far as Steve Nash is concerned. Well, but it has it has something to do with being a basketball player, though. That has to come I mean, something. 
<laughs> that's not what I was trying to get at. <laughs> You're right, but I mean, I would say if it was a volume stat, strictly a volume stat, he would have like an astronomically low field goal percentage, and he would just shoot like a hundred shots a game. There has but to be. But he does have an astronomically low shooting. Percentage. Not, I mean, it's not like it's a. He's scraping the bottom of the of the the barrel when it comes to you know his i, I mean, know look, i, I know he's at... not an incredibly efficient player and that's what leads to his lack of championships and playoff success because he plays the first minute and the last minute of the game exactly the same that's i mean that's part of his game and he's a fun player to watch because of it but i mean you can't just say that steve nash is a better player because he passes the ball better because otherwise then jason kidd would be better and there'd be plenty of people that'd be better uh, than russell westbrook but as far as basketball players go, like Jared says, then you can't put other people above Westbrook on there. And I'm not saying he's even top five because I have him at six. But, I mean, as Steve Nash below him. No, I saw. I was looking at some lists that had Jason Kidd like fourth or fifth all time. And I was people love Jason Kidd. Pretty man. sus on those, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I never, I never got it, but... <laughs> Also, Aiden, Aiden's favorite stat, PER, he was 46 this year. And PER, and PER is supposed to favor his play style yeah, of volume yeah. scoring. So, yeah, his efficiency hurt, hurt, hurts him a lot on that. Yeah, yeah other um, on the topic of efficiency, did you know that Jason Kidd's career field goal percentage was 40%, 40 40.0%? Oh, my goodness. Was it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. I feel like he was known <laughs> as a three-point shooter, but I guess not. He was a 34.9% three-point shooter, which maybe was good back in the day, um, mm. but now yeah. that's like, yeah. NBA like, average is like yeah. 37. Points. Yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. I mean, Steve Nash's career field goal percentage is 49%. That's pretty good. Pretty good. He like invented the 40-50-90 club, right? Or was that yeah, the yeah. Yeah, I think I think Larry's the <laughs> one of them. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Does anybody have any expectations for like I know the Wizards lost to the Celtics, now they're blowing out the Pacers. First round exit. Is this is this yeah, what Westbrook's fault? Yeah, that they're I, not think better? I think it's four one. I think the Sixers drop like game three or something like that because like Bradley Beal goes supernova. I think it's 4-1. Well, Bill and Westbrook are very savvy veterans. I'd like to see them walk. I I would have wished that they played the Brooklyn Nets because I I like the Kevin Durant-Westbrook matchup. I think that Westbrook plays really hard. I mean, you you can't really expect him to play harder, but I think that there is a little bit of extra oomph in his game when he's playing against uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden now this year. You know, yeah. Does he have beef with them, or I mean, has he like publicly with... said anything about that? Or... No, but you can see it on okay. the court. I mean, when yeah. when Durant had first left for the Warriors, you could see the beef publicly on the court, and they were in each other's faces. But I mean, maybe there is a little bit there because uh, Harden wanted to leave at the start of the year. You know, when Westbrook was there and all that, and uh, they ended up trading him away. So. Maybe maybe there's a little extra layer. We we will never see it. I don't say, I don't think that they get past the first round. But like Lucas <laughs> said, I think that maybe there's a chance that they take a game away, maybe two games away or something like that, and just make it like a tougher series yeah. than it should be against maybe like um, who else is in there right now. All right, here's a bonus question I want to throw in there. Which team or like role does Russell Westbrook need to be on to win a championship? Fourth best player. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, like, I think the Thunder is, like, a pretty good model, like, when they made the finals yeah. in 2012 
or 2013 or whatever that was. Like, you had KD on that team, who was like the go-to guy, the scorer. Mm-hmm. He could do his thing nicely. But yeah. they have that with I Bradley Beal, right? No, nah, but Beal and KD, I feel like, are yeah. different players. It's like a poor man's KD, if anything. No, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he had a better yeah, season than KD did. I think well, I mean, yeah, was by, by like points per game or by what metric? Yeah, I just feel like Beal is not as like he, he scores a lot, but I feel like he's less efficient. Like KD can literally just take any shot he wants to, and he probably makes it. Yeah, I, I feel like Beal benefits from being like, one of very few good players on the Wizards. <laughs> like I, <laughs> he's made I a career know. off that. Yeah, I, mean, he's a good <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think Westbrook's best role is a role that he's never played before, which would be an off the bench spark plug for maybe. Um, yeah. Like let's say like the Bucks mm-hmm. or something like that, who who don't necessarily have a great second unit as far as like shot shot creators go, or the Lakers, who I know people they they struggle with uh, another playmaker off there. I think an off the bench like Carmelo was when he first started moving into the second half of his career. Um, I think that that would be a really good role for what Russ. Limited minutes, you go out there. Your job is to score and keep us from like a deficit, like falling down double digit mm. points you know yeah he's too good i think mm-hmm. to do that for people to convince people yeah. that he, that's what his role should be but that i think that would be a fantastic role for westbrook yeah yeah how many years away from that do you think he is uh, no I, I think yeah. he would just retire at the point where he can't do it yeah does right now. that's fair <laughs> but uh, yeah i would love to see him as like a I don't know, 36 year old guy like a mm-hmm. jamal Still crawford dunking. just yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's gonna be able to dunk at like sixty thousand. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd be curious to see how many MVP past MVPs ended up coming off the bench at some point in their career. Because like mm. I feel like yeah, I don't know. Like there's a mentality there that like they yeah. just wouldn't want to typically. I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh. Okay. Mo- one last thing. The most exciting thing about the this is only <clears throat> tangentially tangentially related, but I wanted to mention it because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know what else was gonna come up. The most exciting thing about the war- the Wizards making the playoffs now from the Sixers' perspective is that there is now the potential that the Sixers will not have to get on a plane until the NBA Finals, which would be a huge advantage because they would play the Wizards, then the Knicks, and then the Nets, all of which are within a two-and-a-half-hour drive of Philadelphia. <laughs> they're not driving. So, are they driving that? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah they get they on the drive bus. That? Yeah, all their like, local games. That's interesting. Bus. So wait, is a bus better than a plane? Is that the... Yeah, no, it definitely yeah. is. Uh huh. Really? Planes, like planes a, for like a six foot, for like a seven on a foot guy. Jet? On like the team jet. Point. They're not. Uh, I, I don't think they're like, flying I think commercial. They're, they're not getting on a, I mean, on a. No, but there's a uh, jet flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joel Embiid is yeah, in the middle seat <laughs> yeah. next to me. <laughs> but they're still not. They're not building planes though for seven feet people. <laughs> for the yeah, NBA, yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. I don't think they are. I've never been on an NBA team plane, but I imagine that they're decently comfortable. <laughs> and then, in the Last Dance documentary, they didn't look too big for those planes. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Everybody says the bus rides build camaraderie, though, a little bit better. Yeah, everybody do. says it, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's why I didn't that's have a the private jet in like, yeah. my high school games. Right, okay, exactly. exactly. <laughs> really, really quick aside. They're talking about relocating the NBA teams, right? And I really hope the Wolves move to the Eastern Division because they are always traveling all the way across the country to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And it definitely plays a factor. So I'm with you, Lucas. <laughs> that's accounting for those 40 lost wins. No, I'm just Exactly. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'm sorry to digress. Um, 
Let's continue with the theme of playoffs. Recently, the Lakers won a wonderful game. What people were saying was one of the best, uh, one of the best playing games ever. Uh, um, one of the best like playoff games in recent memory. Uh, the NBA got everything that they were probably hoping for because it ended up being a close game. Steph Curry went off, and LeBron uh, basically won the game for the Lakers on like a, a last-minute three-pointer, a crazy shot. So, Wyatt, let me throw it to you. Did this game affect your perceptions or expectations at all for the Lakers in these playoffs? Well, I I thought it was a really entertaining and competitive game and basically everything you can ask for for a single elimination play-in game. It it really did feel like playoff basketball. But as far as the Lakers are concerned, um, you know, between the two teams or even the four teams in the West that are in a play-in game, they're the only ones with legitimate championship aspirations. And uh, I wasn't exactly thrilled what I saw with the Lakers only winning by three points against the Golden State Warriors. I mean, would it kill the Lakers to play four complete quarters of basketball, of competitive (laughs) basketball? Uh, The first half of the game, it looked like Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green were all defensive, uh, first-team All-NBA defense-type players, you know? Yeah. Uh, They should have won this game by double digits, and not like 15, but maybe even like 10. You know, because the the Warriors have been scraping the bottom of the NBA for a while. And although they've been really hot the last second half of this year, they were nowhere near as good as the Lakers have ever really been uh, when they were at their peaks. So, I mean, it was clear that LeBron James isn't 100% healthy. But like I said, this isn't exactly a really like a game that puts a lot of confidence in me that they're going to be able to play against teams like the Suns, the Jazz, or the Clippers going into later rounds. And I think overall, and I'm, I'm saying this specifically to and about Anthony Davis, against the Warriors, he was a sheep amongst wolves. He was terrible. How much longer can we say that he's actually that dude that we saw in the bubble? Because I'm not impressed whatsoever. <laughs> I think, too, to add on to that, like I'm, I'm not impressed with the Lakers at all. Their supporting cast does not seem great this year either Schroeder was minus 20 last night when he was in the game he (laughs) shot three of 14 Drummond's just too old and slow I feel like at this Uh, point Drummond really make any sort of like he wears like the weird undershirt too on his jersey you never see any boys do that no I did I mean that did like really jump out to me I was like how dare he (laughs) (laughs) like I'm not convinced Kuzma's that good or Montrose Harrell's like taking a step back this year like I don't know. I'm just like, I, I feel I, like I, anecdotally I, Caruso played pretty well though. He I, did. I didn't look but at his stats. Caruso was, was that fun. guy. He yeah. played 30 <laughs> minutes, yeah. 50% from the field plus four. Not bad. There you go. Hey. Yeah. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think they're going to lose <laughs> in the first round. For the playoffs. I, I wouldn't they be shocked. The yeah, yeah, they I didn't look that be. good, especially yeah. with how many turnovers the Warriors <laughs> had to in the second half yeah. and they couldn't put him away. I don't know. I, yeah. The saving grace, though, is LeBron didn't really – he had a triple-double, but he didn't have his best game, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That is kind of a saving grace, mm-hmm. but you, I don't know if you can depend on that. Is he going to get that much healthier and better yeah. in the yeah. next games? I don't know. But, like, so, okay, two, two things. One, Draymond kind of clamped AD, right? And I don't think most teams in the West don't have a guy who can clamp him that well. Yeah. And two – they defended Steph really well for the most part, from what I could tell. And he was yeah. hitting a lot of really tough shots. So, yeah. I, like, if he had even hit, like, I don't know, four fewer threes or something, like, just, like, mm-hmm. randomly dribble around and then just shoot shots, they would have won by double digits, right? So I feel like it's all like a – Well – I mean, most teams don't have a Steph that was going to, like, really push you that way. So Steph also think, missed 
I don't know. You can, like, kind of play that game. Like, he also missed, like, I can think of, like, three floaters off the top of my head in the fourth quarter that he missed. Like, that, I don't know what, how he missed it. They were just, like, kind of wide open floaters. I mean, floaters are hard if you're not banking them, too. But. Okay, that's fair. He missed a lot. He missed, like, some shots. I, just, I was like, I don't know. at the end of the game. The Warriors just generally were, like, really making their threes, and the Lakers were not. So, I yeah. I know last well, year they didn't. They weren't like a profoundly good three-point shooting team when they won the finals, but they're going to have to improve that. The weird thing about the Lakers is they somehow find wins against really high three-point shooting teams, which everyone believes is, like, oh, they're, they can make it. They can win a championship. But, I mean, if they don't have nights where maybe they can scrap together a late game win or a team that is shoots threes at a high level and can play defense uh, on, the second, on the other half of the court, I don't believe that they would be able to win – or beat out a team like that. And I don't I, I don't have a team in mind that can <clears throat> shoot threes at a high level and play defense. But what if maybe they get to the finals and they play the Nets and they score or they the Nets score at a high clip and they just can't keep up with them? Because I didn't it just didn't look like they were running or they were clicking in all cylinders. And to go be going into the playoffs, it, I would just be shocked if they were able to to win a championship playing like they did. Well, I got another question. I know the narrative, like, throughout the broadcast, too, was like, oh, Draymond Green's shutting Anthony Davis down. But he still had 25 points. What, what do you need to see from Anthony Davis for him to, like, not uh, be Four clamped? quarters of basketball. <laughs> he was 10 of 24, which is pretty pitiful. Yeah. Especially so maybe, for Pank Eye. 25 yeah, points. Yeah. But like, I remember in the playoffs last year, he was really efficient, right? So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe more of, like, 10 of 15 for 25 <laughs> points. I don't know. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Jared, can I ask you a question? You're very high on the Warriors. Do you think that the Warriors, <laughs> with the addition of uh, Clay Thompson and Jameis Wiseman next year, that they'll be a team that's competing for a championship? I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't know. We have to see what Clay looks like. I think they're pretty far. I think they're pretty far off, though. I don't really think the Warriors are like the Warriors. Just aren't a good basketball team right now, and like yeah. you know, they turn the ball over a lot. Super reliant on Steph to go crazy. Uh, I. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't I really know that yeah. Clay like makes him. Clay obviously makes him better, but I don't know if he makes him if he pushes him into a championship level team. Especially when you consider teams like the Nets. We're dealing the Nets. We probably haven't even really seen their ceiling. Like what? Having the big three there only played like five games together. Or it was like seven. They've all been yeah. hurt. Yeah. yeah. Like we haven't seen their ceiling yet. I don't know. Yeah. Wiggins isn't like you know he's not gonna be he's not a long term guy at the Warriors and everything I don't know I don't have that much confidence in them yeah. with when Clay returns the thing about the Warriors for me and especially when Clay returns is I don't think that he's gonna be the defensive stopper coming off two back to back leg injuries that they expect him to be because they they want oh Clay go out there and you guard the the other team's number one I don't know I mean I I wouldn't exactly ask him to do that anymore. He can be a really good uh, spot-up shooter, which he's been great for his career, and I think he'll still continue to do that. But as far as his other contributions on the team, I wouldn't be shocked if he is just a spot-up shooter or maybe a spark plug uh, for the team while Steph Curry uh, gets off the court. You know, I think that they might have to go and find another defensive guy for them to be able to look like an actual championship team. Unless Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green play at the level that they played for the next four years. But yeah. I, I also want to bank on that either. Yeah. Draymond did play well. He did. And then 
I saw a lot of things. Does anyone else kind of feel tired of watching LeBron James fall on the ground and like make it look, you know, <laughs> you know when Paul Pierce got injured and they wheeled him off the court in a wheelchair and then he came running back. Classic. I feel like LeBron James tries to do something similar because although he's really? a great player, I just think he wants everyone to believe that he has an injury and then to go out there and to do something incredible. Because mm-hmm. are you talking about the eye thing or the like way, when he yes, or the head, the eye like thing. when he like grabbed his head? Well, he head. always grabs his head. But the way the eye, the <laughs> eye thing, it's not it. It felt like, and what uh, people were talking about it afterwards, like Draymond Green scooped out LeBron James' eye and it rolled on the floor and he put it back in and then hit that <laughs> shot. It, I mean, it was like he got poked in the so eye, yeah. But I mean, it listen, He's like, I saw three wins and I foul. shot at the middle one. That's all it was. But at the end of the game, it was a long yeah, I shot at the middle yeah, one. Yeah, that was, I don't know uh, if yeah. I was kind of like, come on, yeah. like, it's it's okay just to be like, oh, you know, my eye hurt, and then but I, I still was able to. Keep <laughs> I made a basket. Right, yeah, exactly. It just felt silly to me. He's, he's definitely a diva with that, and he begs for fouls all the time too. I'll say it. The theatrics are definitely out there. I thought it was, was funny the how foul, it, though. Yeah, because he was like on the sideline, like getting eye drops and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, was, yeah. he wanted the flagrant, or because they were debating if it was gonna be a flagrant foul or something. Dude, yeah. the refs and the announcers were like, he went straight up. Draymond did, and he was like, he went. For, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, no, was, like, was definitely right foul. It wasn't malicious. In the eye. Yeah, that's it was it was a malicious is flagrant too. But if it's just a if it's a hard foul, it's a flagrant one. If it's on purpose, it's a flagrant two. That was a hard foul. But I mean. Let's not act like Draymond, you know, killed somebody out there. I felt like that was blown way out of proportion. You know, the other thing that cracks me up is how how Stan uh, is it Stan Van Gundy that does the broadcast. Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Stan, Gundy. Stan is the coach. Okay, yeah, that's why I, I don't remember which one was mine. <laughs> He's always mad about like some aspect of base of basketball during the game. Like when they were reviewing the flagrant and they said no and they said like no flagrant. He's like, Thank you. I'm gonna name my kid that ref I remember. he's like, I'm gonna name my next kid the ref name or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He always is going off about like something about the game of basketball that annoys him. It's always efficient. It's almost always efficient. Too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that's sense. like a. That's our coach's that work. Yeah, yeah. Also, what cracks like, me up is Mark Jackson is always doing Warriors games. Warriors games. They're like rubbing it in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is, this what could have been exactly. Other, yeah. other than last night, he never mentions that he was the coach of the Warriors because he, he was like. <laughs> I had the honor of coaching Draymond Green. That's the first time I've ever heard him mention that he also did coach the Warriors. Oh I wonder, like, it, it felt like, it just felt like. He's getting over it. It just this felt like good. we were all yeah. supposed to believe that he wasn't the coach of the Warriors and that he was just a, yeah. good, a good commentator. But, yeah. Well, dude, if I had him like in the first round exit for like for however many straight years and then they went on to become like a 67 win team, I wouldn't want to talk about it either. Yeah. Or wait, no, is that right? 67? Yeah, 70, <laughs> 73, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh wait, that was the yeah yeah the, the year when they year, yeah anyways yeah yeah moving on uh, <laughs> let's go from a team that used to be in Oakland to a team that is still in Oakland for the time being the A's have apparently begun exploring well okay I think they've explored relocation in the past but they're doing it again um, apparently they feel like they need a new ballpark and or a new city to uh, remain competitive so Lucas I'd like to throw it to you. Does this reasoning jibe with you that they need to leave <laughs> to stay competitive? Uh, and if you do think that they'll leave, where do you think might be a good fit? So I was just sort of like blissfully unaware of whether stadiums and getting new stadiums work. I feel like there's always a talk of like, we need a new stadium to stay competitive. Like, 
we'll sell more tickets, we'll get more money, we'll, you know, and everything that comes from that. Um, but I don't know if that was just like, I didn't know if that was just like smoke and mirrors, like, or whatever, or if like there's actually a legitimate competitive advantage to getting a new stadium. So I'll take scenario one, which is they just get a new stadium in Oakland and see whether that uh, makes the team competitive. And so I took the all the teams in the last 15 years who got a new stadium and looked at their five-year win percentage before and after getting a new stadium. I didn't include the Rangers because they got a new stadium last year, but every other team has gotten a new stadium five or more years before. Um, so you can you know look at it and see if there's any noticeable effect. And so the Braves got their new stadium in 2017 in the five years since. Uh, their winning percentage has been 533, which is an improvement over their previous five-year winning percentage of 499. The Marlins got a new stadium in 2012. Uh, since then, they've been 443, which is a drop from 487. Uh, the Twins got a new stadium in 2010. In the five years after, they were 443 as well. Um, and in the five years previous, they were 533, so a drop. Uh, the Mets got a new stadium in 09. In the five years after, they were 462. In the five years before that, they were 528. Next, we get to the Yankees, who have a consistent level of excellence unknown to any other team on this Someone list. Him. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, in the five years after their yeah. new stadium in 09, they were 586. In the five years before that, they were 588. Uh, the Nationals, um, in the five years after their new stadium in 2008, they were 451. In the five years before that, two of those years were, or three of those years, or no, sorry, two of those years were in Montreal as the Expos. Three of them, they played an RFK stadium in D.C., uh, they're 463, so a slight drop there. And the Cardinals got a new stadium in 06. In the five years after that, they were 524. In the five years previous to that, they were 593. So, you know, <laughs> obviously there are other confounding factors here. That like the stadium is not the only thing that determines team success. But I feel like the argument is always made that if you get a new stadium, if you get all these new things, that teams will just improve. Um, and there's just no evidence based on that based on recent baseball like it just like either teams got like some teams got a little bit better some teams got a little bit worse some teams got dramatically worse some teams didn't really change there seems to be no correlation so in terms of like do the a's need a new stadium to be competitive i think the answer is no um i think like a lot of other things in sports ownership it probably just comes down to money if you can have a fancy new ballpark in oakland where you can sell 15 dollar hot dogs and like super luxury seats like that's why you want a new stadium not because you want the team to be better um that being said relocation might also have an effect but overall i'm not so sure especially if the same sort of money logic applies there's not enough cases of like recent baseball relocation to really like do any sort of stats analysis on this um but i'm not convinced them moving would make them more competitive either if they were to move vegas is the i know the obvious choice uh their triple a team is already there um, they met with people in Vegas to hear a relocation pitch within the last few days. Um, I know it's like a growing city. They have a growing sports culture uh, with the Golden Knights, the NHL, and the Raiders just moving there in the NFL. But I'm really not convinced Vegas would necessarily be a good move. I'm not convinced Why? on Vegas as a sports town. If yeah, it's not, not. It's not a sports town. Yeah, trying like, to sell I us just, on this. It's not, it's like it's L- LA's not. not a sports town either. Like, there's so much <laughs> other stuff to do. But they have the Lakers. Yeah. It's not a sports town, though. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, like, it, it has it has that. And it also has the energy of, like, when all those 
um, like hockey teams moved to Florida in like the late nineties and early two thousands, <laughs> like being like, oh, we'll, we'll make it here, we'll make it a sports. Like I just don't think Vegas is a sports town, and I think everybody's gonna move there because it's like a slightly growing city. It's a relatively big city, and it's got like this shine. But I just twenty yeah. years from now, I don't know if there's more than one professional sports team in Las Vegas. I think I'd put no. money on that. Yeah. I, I like even though there seems to be an influx there now. Um, so. Damn. If I were to pick a city where they would relocate to, I saw this one thrown around a decent amount. But I'm going to propose Portland, Oregon. Yes. <gasps> uh huh. I've seen that. <laughs> I think it's a good sports town. The Blazers seem loved. Not that I live there. Um, Bart, Jared, why they are you loved. test this differently? Um, <laughs> they have the Tim. The rest of the <laughs> they, oh, did I say Bart? <laughs> Jared Wyatt. Um, Sorry, uh, Blazers seem loved. Uh, the market, they have the Timbers, but the Timbers aren't, you know, like a big three sport. Um, and so I think there's a market there for another one of the big sports to make its way in. I think they could have a nice little regional rivalry with the Mariners, and they wouldn't have a direct competitor uh, like they do currently in Oakland with the Giants, somebody right across the bay. So I think yeah. Portland, if, they go, if they're going to move anywhere, would be the best possible scenario. But in terms of them being needing to move to be competitive, I don't think there's any real basis in that claim. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, it, it doesn't look like there is like from the numbers that you just, that you just said. Right. I, I, I can hear the case that it's like, well, if you don't have good facilities and stuff, like people don't really want to come to your place. Like if it's, if it's like between two places and it's like, okay, well the, the Yankees just shelled out for whatever this new facility or whatever. And the, the A's haven't done anything, you know? Like, like it's kind of like Green Bay. I, I know people are on this all the time. Like, Green Bay doesn't really attract free agents despite being, like, a pretty stable historical franchise. If they were somewhere else like that, maybe they would do better. I don't know if Oakland really has, like, that stigma that Green Bay <laughs> has because it's, like, decently nice weather. It's expensive, whatever, yeah. but, you know, not too bad. Yeah. Um, and, if, like, I feel yeah. like the A's, like, whole strategy is never, like, attract free agents because they don't really sign free agents. You know? uh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. They're, they're all based on homegrown talent, so I don't know if but like, don't, they're going to... But yeah, don't you think yeah. they have to do that because people don't want to play in Oakland? Because they <laughs> No, it's because they, they don't spend money. <laughs> well, no, okay, like, yeah, hear, hear me out. Like, the, if <clears throat> Lucas was saying that they just want a new stadium so that they can sell luxury seats and $15 mm-hmm. hot dogs, but don't you think those $15 hot dogs can go to, towards well, signings, fund, yeah. right? Hot dog money yeah. equals bigger contracts. <clears throat> and, you know, if you can if you can have a luxury stadium where you can draw people in and you make a lot of money, especially with the nature of baseball, it can contribute into maybe a big signing here and there, and they can go and land a guy and add a free agent and build on their team. Because the money ball whole strategy is cute, but, like, it, it's, uh, it's what they have to do right now because they, they can't sell enough hot dogs. So then I'm, sell, I'm the, sold sell on the that. team not, yeah. to an owner know. a penny pitcher. Yeah. And then you can spend money because there's no salary cap. Yeah. They yeah, don't need, they don't like, need the profits. Yeah. Yeah. But like, look at like examples like the Marlins. The Marlins built a new stadium in 2012. Miami is yeah. a great place to be. People love Miami. They suck. They they always are not good. How many hot dogs um, do I sell? I don't know. Who knows? Probably not as, probably not as many as other places. Yeah, yeah. And like even um, it, like baseball is the least superstar driven sport i feel like we can all agree with that like like look at the angels like the angels have maybe the two best players in baseball and they're bad like yeah. and they're in la and they sit like nothing wait the plays. two best players are bad yeah. well <laughs> they're good but you know <laughs> the team is bad 
Yeah. I read this article. Um, it was from July 2019 by CBS Sports RJ Anderson. Um, it was like a 38 minute read or something like that too. I didn't read the whole thing. I just read the part about Portland, like kind of skimmed it. Sierra and Russell Wilson are part of an investor group to like get baseball oh, in Portland. Right. So there's like there's oh. momentum. It was funny too because the guy was like, not enough? "Yeah, apparently not." <laughs> the guy was like, "Portland wants to be like a thought leader and push the fan experience in new directions." I feel like Portland is the city to do that too. I don't buy like it. It, it, it definitely would. And I don't buy in terms that, of fandom. I don't buy in terms of fandom. We would embrace a baseball team here. We would. Okay, here, here, here we go. Fandom Blazers drew more fans per game than the Lakers, Celtics, and Knicks did in the 2019 season. The Portland Thorns which is the women's soccer team here for those that you don't know, mm-hmm. average over 16,000 fans per game last season. And only one other team in the national women's soccer league, drew, soccer league drew more than 6,000 per game. It's a sports city amount, no matter what sport it is baseball with right. And then, and then think about another thing. This uh, article mentioned Nike has its headquarters here. Columbia has its headquarters here. Under Armour does Adidas has its North American headquarters here. It's like, it's like an activity. It's like That's a sports freaking yeah. centric town. Yeah. I really think it is, even though it's not. But Jared, it's not like known for it, but it definitely it's got the numbers. The one like thing you're forgetting is that baseball is boring, and that people oh people gosh. don't want to go. So watch is soccer. Teams. No, it's not. So soccer, is soccer. People watch, watch it. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I would rather move the team to Salt Lake City than I would to Portland, Oregon. Are you kidding me right now? What? No, yeah, people people you... would love Salt Lake. Huge sports town. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, why on the topic of baseball being boring, I feel like, well, Lucas, you already mentioned that you don't think Vegas is a sports town, and I'd agree with you. But I feel like baseball especially does not feel like a Vegas sport. Like, I feel like people go to Vegas for, like, a, I don't know, to watch, like, a for kind of a thrilling experience. Boxing. Like, yeah. I, yeah, like boxing, boxing or, like, football fits with that. Hockey fits with that. Baseball doesn't fit with that. Also, like, Vegas is what, like, upper 90s every day in the summer so like yeah nice you know i guess arizona manages and has a nice like you know they could do a dirt conditioned stadium yeah but i'm yeah i'm not sold that baseball would draw a crowd in vegas yeah it is a sports betting town though and you just get more opportunities to bet with a baseball (laughs) baseball than any other sport so i don't know (laughs) yeah i I wonder if that would like artificially because like we 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 looked this up right we didn't think that the the golden knights would have a ton of attendance but they almost led the nhl in it right yeah, yeah, I think it just seems like yeah. I suspect that yeah. Vegas might just artificially drive fans to games yeah. because of the gambling, Not which so. is you're right though it doesn't feel like a sports town. But like, what else is there it, to it do? It probably just shows up on a list of Gamble. things to do in Vegas. <laughs> Gamble in the sports. casino, not at the sports game. Sorry, Wyatt. <laughs> what did you say? I said sports games probably just show up on things to do in Vegas. You know, where like people just want to yeah. do stuff in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Well, there are a lot of MLB games in a season, so that's good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by By the way, th- this is crazy. So the expansion fee, you have to pay an expansion fee if you're going to be like a new team. The, in the NHL, like the Seattle Kraken, they paid $650 million to join the NHL. Are you That's serious? ridiculous. And the MLB, the MLB has twice the revenue as the NHL, so it probably would be like a billion dollars to join. Yeah, yeah but you like, how quickly do you make that back, do you think? Yeah, if a team's, yeah, and if a team's relocating, I wonder if like that, um, if they have to pay as much kind of thing. Because I guess like the A's wouldn't be an expansion team, right? They just, oh, yeah, a, that's true. Yeah, they wouldn't be expansion. kind of team. That's wild. The six hundred fifty million. Um, uh, the re- the relocation fee for the MLB mm-hmm. is one billion dollars. There, okay. The, Jared was the, right. The, expa- <laughs> the expansion fee is three billion. What? Whoa! Holy moly! 
That's oh, wait, yeah, I thought you were talking about explosives. Oh, no, 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 no wait, sorry, I read the wrong stat. The relo- oh. I, I can't, sorry. Never mind, the first one is correct. The, the relocation, <laughs> the relocation fee is one billion. The expansion fee, as I um, hiccup through it, is 2.2 billion. <laughs> That's, That's crazy. Okay, Jared, I have a, I have a perfect spot for you. Appleton, Wisconsin. Where? Huge, oh ba- it's gosh, one of the, no. it's a big baseball town, according to Google. I, it, fit, it fits in. You just looked that up. I, yeah, I was looking at baseball towns. I'm looking at it, teams or places that don't have teams. But uh, everybody wants something to do in Appleton, Wisconsin. And uh, Wisconsin <laughs> is a good Midwestern vibe. I think it fits baseball. So, Jared, there's your, there's your location. Oakland A's is your location. And I'm still for higher. Appleton A's. It's yeah. good alliteration. Yeah. That does sound there good. There we go. <laughs> It's, it's right up apples. The, right down the road from Green Bay. They could have a little. Oh. They could also be green and yellow. Oh my exactly. god! Oh, oh wait, they already oh, are. Wow. This is yeah. too yeah, perfect. Yeah. It's too perfect. Yeah. yeah. Vegas no, just they, doesn't fit yeah. them. We're not talking. No, Vegas, Vegas doesn't fit them. I know, but I'm going back to Vegas. I'm I'm still fixated on them. <laughs> no, I I think I think it'll crash and burn if they go to Vegas. Yeah. Here's my official guess: is they do, they go nowhere <laughs> and they stay right where they are. Probably. I don't yeah. think that they would leave Oakland. Yeah. I think the city of Oakland will just cave, and they'll give them a stadium, and then uh, they'll click their heels and they'll be happy. I read somewhere that people, some people don't think that a new ballpark would be open until 27 if it happens, because apparently it's all just tied up in red tape and the city government just does not want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The current stadium is built yeah. in 60 something, which is and it's awful. And it's so ugly. I mean, it's like one of those multi, like the Raiders played there for a while, right? It's one of the, like, it's not yeah. a baseball yeah. stadium. Like, it's, oh, it's gross. Um, yeah. But. They might be one of the most relocated sports franchises, too. Because they were in Philadelphia, oh, yeah. Kansas City, and they were Oakland. So Who's this would be A's stop or? four. The, excuse me. Yeah, the A's. So this would be, uh, this would be stop four for them if they move here, which has to be out there in terms of total relocations, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The Raiders probably have located a lot too. (laughs) 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 Well, anyway, I think that does it for us today. We'll be back next week. Um, Jared will still be fixated on the A, um, Vegas and the A's. Um, Yeah. Lucas will still have the hiccups. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, throw us a, a follow. Um, on Instagram, on our uh, follows on Twitter, you thought sport. Um, find our Facebook. Your reward is that you'll get to be a guest on the show if you find our Facebook. So uh, <laughs> first one to find it. Um, but yeah, we're also on TikTok. Follow us on all the social media platforms. And yeah, we'll be back next week with plenty more to talk about. A lot of NBA playoffs action coming mm-hmm. up in the next week. Or and so. the Wizards officially uh, clinched the eighth seed while we were re- yeah. while we were recording. So. Yeah, when we when we return next week, the the wizards will have swept the Sixers. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I yeah, accept yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Lucas, it's it's gonna be tough. But anyway, okay. yeah, I'll survive. <laughs> but yeah, see you next week.